And uh, that was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, a very, very conservative school. And it was a very good foundation. We've talked about that a number of times. So it's been fun to kind of reawaken that relationship. And Don and Sharon are very good friends of Jim and Nancy, Don. And uh, maybe you're the reason Jim can never get an elk, because you guys go hunting all the time. Is I'm, that I'm is it curse. you? I'm no, I'm I don't think so. I think he's the curse. But anyways, uh, they hunt together and do all kinds of things together. Don is also one of the profs at the seminary. My two favorite classes, I'm not saying this to butter you up, I've already got the grades are done. So, the, But my two favorite classes have been the theology of work and the theologies that we just studied of, of uh, soteriology, which is salvation, and anthropology, which is being human, and how those two things, what does it mean for a human to be saved? Those were fabulous classes, so I've enjoyed those very much. Nice. Don's here to share with us today. Let me pray with you, yeah, and, and we'll move in. Lord, thank you for uh, your ministry through us in different ways, different people who bring your word to us in all different formats, especially now in this, this time, in this century. And so bless Don, fill him with your spirit. May we learn, glean, ask a couple of good questions, walk away with some very practical and uh, meaningful things from your spirit, God, as only you can do. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mark. Okay. Good morning. It is, uh, it is great to be here, um, partly, largely, because this just gives me more moral leverage over Jim. Because I'm just adding this to the long list of ways that I have bailed him out once again. <laughs> I love the, uh, the singing. I have not sung most of those songs in lots and lots of years. And I just realized, yeah, I see Don Wolf applauding. <laughs> I realized as I was singing those how much good theology I've learned from childhood singing those songs. Um, Except for, the, I mean, the last one, I didn't learn that until I watched O Brother, Where Art Thou, the movie, but, um, but the others go, go way back. Speaking of movies, um, some of you, many of you perhaps, will remember the show that was released in 1993 with Bill Murray called Groundhog Day. Um, by many standards, probably not a great movie, but everybody knows it. I don't know if it's because it was Bill Murray um, and, I mean, what can not be funny about Bill Murray? Or if it was because in, in some quirky way that show captured uh, a, a desire that circulates in every one of us. You, if you recall the plot or if you don't recall the plot, uh, Bill is stuck in a time loop. And every day he lives is the same day. And at the end of every day, tragically, he dies, but he dies in some different way. And then, having died at the end of that day, he wakes up again the next day and relives that same day, and it makes him crazy. Um, we, we all kind of long, in a, in a lot of ways, for a fresh start, don't we? Uh, in, in, in various ways, in various times of our lives, we long for just a, a, a fresh start. I mean, it's, it's not uncommon that we feel stuck in a treadmill or just feel like we're doing the same thing day after day. And then sometimes in more serious ways, we really feel the need for God to hit that reset button on our lives, don't we? Um, in some ways, we, we feel like a, a, a plot that was uh, portrayed in, in another movie just fairly recently, uh, 2013 uh, 
Ben Stiller starred in one called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Do y'all remember that one? Actually, that was a, a movie version of a short story written by James Thurber in 1939, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Walter Mitty is this very mundane, boring, bland, mediocre, benign, I could go on and on, just kind of guy who is stuck in a, in a routine job, but he lives his life in fantasies of these incredible adventures he wishes he could have. Well, same kind of theme, doesn't it? It just it speaks to that, that, that yearning we all have for a, you know, a fresh start, for an adventure, for, for something new. And what I want us to consider this morning for a few moments is that that, that newness, a, a, a genuine and a deep sort of newness and freshness in our lives uh, is, po- is actually possible. Uh, whether the circumstances of our lives change much or at all or not, there is a genuine newness that God does offer to us. But it means relating to God in some ways that might go against our deepest instincts. Genuine newness and genuine freshness in our lives is possible. But it means relating to God in some ways that go against our deepest instincts. There's an incident in Jesus' early ministry that that kind of sets the pattern for all of this, sets the pattern for what it means for us to experience newness and freshness in our lives in a a meaningful way. And and the great news, the great news in the text we're going to look at is that God does give a a new future, a new direction, a, a freshness to the most unlikely people. That's good news for all of us. God gives newness and freshness to the most unlikely people. And so I'd like for you to turn, if you've got a copy of the Scriptures handy, turn to the Gospel of Luke, uh, the fifth chapter. And follow along as I read this this incident that's going to uh, help us rethink what it means to experience God's newness and freshness in our lives. Luke chapter 5, this is the word of the Lord. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. And so they pulled their boats up on shore, and they left everything, and they followed him. Now, if you know the Scriptures at all, you've probably read that story uh, maybe a number of times and, and, and know the plot line. But if you, 
if you read that story carefully, there are some really odd features in that story. Really odd features. Because here's, here's this guy named Simon who is, uh, he, he's working third shift. He's, he and his partners were, were fishermen, uh, and, and they fished, you know, when, when, the, when the fish were biting. They had worked the night, and this had been a night where they caught nothing. So he's already tired. He's already frustrated. And there he is, happens to be with his partners and a couple of boats, when Jesus has this big crowd around him, and he's teaching them, and he you know, has, has his boat sort of commandeered for Jesus. And after Jesus uh, finishes his teaching, Jesus says this really strange thing. Now, it may not sound strange, but if you know the backstory, it's really strange. Because here's someone who grew up as a tradesman, Jesus. Now, we, we traditionally think of Jesus as a carpenter, and he, and he may have been, but the, the word the Gospels use for Jesus is a word that uh, it was also re, uh, applied to uh, bricklayers, stonemasons. It, it was a tradesman, a blue-collar tradesman, carpenter, stonemason, something like that. And all of a sudden, he tells a professional fisherman how to do his job. Pick up on the irony and all that. Here's a bricklayer telling a professional fisherman, go out there and let your nets down. After he's already been fishing that water all night long and caught nothing. Now, you know, the irony of all this is that that is, that is a little bit like an electrician telling a master chef how to make a souffle. And what's even stranger to me is that Peter does it. <laughs> Rather than saying, look, Jesus, I, you know, I, really, I love you, I appreciate you. Um, you know, you got a lot of great things to say, but I tell you what, you stick to your business and I'll stick to mine and we'll all be good. That, that's what I probably would have said. I know that's what Mark would have said. I'm certain that's what Jim would have said. But he does it. He goes out and they throw down the nets in waters they've already fished all night. And Luke records for us what happened. They fill the boat. The boat begins to sink. They call the second boat. They fill that boat. Both boats begin to sink. And at this point, we find another strange feature in this story. Rather than say to Jesus... I don't know what inside intel you have, or I don't know what trick you played, but I want to cash in on this. Wouldn't that be an inclination for a lot of us? You know, we fish all night, and we get nothing. And this is not recreational fishing. This is not, you know, going over to the, to the, to the blue and you know, recreationally catching some trout. No, this was their livelihood. This was their bread and butter, no pun intended. And, and here is one who tells him to do something that brings in the mother load. You know, if, if, if many of us had been there, we, the dollar signs, cha-ching, would probably have started coming up in our eyes. I want in on this action. But he does not say that either. Two times in a row, Peter gives very strange reactions. He does what Jesus tells him to do. And then when this miraculous catch occurs, what does Peter do? He says the strangest thing. He he falls on his knees, and he says to Jesus, go away from me. What a strange thing to say. I've just experienced the mother load. (laughs) 
And I tell him, go away. You know, I think we can, we can infer from what, what was going on in that incident that Peter realized at that point that he was standing in the presence of one who knew him and knew life far more deeply than he knew himself. There was something strange. Peter may not have had words for it. He was an uneducated fisherman. So he, he probably didn't have the vocabulary to express what he felt. But whatever it was he felt, he knew he was in the presence of someone who could see to the core of his life. And it scared him. He, he knew, or at least he felt, that in some way, standing in front of this man, having this man speak into his life, could potentially change everything. And it's, and it's at that point that Jesus says to him the words that every one of us need to hear. He says to Peter, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, by saying don't be afraid, I, I can't imagine that Jesus meant, don't be afraid, I'm not going to hurt you. Because if we know anything about the balance of the story, in fact, Peter was about to embark on an adventure that was going to cost him a lot. No, Jesus was not saying, don't be afraid, this is all going to be easy, and this is going to be just very placid, and you got nothing to worry about. No, in fact, Peter had a lot to worry about. What Jesus meant when he said to Peter, don't be afraid, was this, you can trust me. You can trust me. You didn't think you could trust me when I told you to go out in deep water and throw it in the nets, but, but you did it. You can trust me, Peter. Don't be afraid. You see, what Jesus was telling Peter was that I've got something for you that is going to change your life. You've just been going out here every day, throwing out these nets, working the drill, same thing after same thing after same thing. Peter was struck in, stuck in his own kind of groundhog day, if you think about it. Okay. But Jesus says to him, I've got something for you. I've got something for you that's going to change your life. I've got a mission for you. And you're going to have to follow me and you're going to have to trust me. You see, for Peter, the future was extremely unclear. Jesus called him to follow him. Luke records that that's exactly what they did. They left, their, they left everything. They dropped their nets. They walked away from it all in dramatic fashion. And they followed him. And so Jesus does have a new future and a new direction for the most unlikely people. Whoever would have chosen uh, an uneducated uh, laborer, fisherman, like Peter, to be part of a band that was going to change the world. That wouldn't make anybody's cut list, final cut list, would it? Jesus has a new future and a new direction and a freshness for the most unlikely people. And he has that new future that works in very different ways than what we expect. Because he's asking Peter to trust him with the balance of his life. And you and I can pretty easily see our own journeys kind of wrapped up into this story, can't we? We can fall, see where our lives fall into place in, in this account. Because the Lord says the same thing to each of us at some point or points, and in some way or some ways, we all get that kind of stare down from the Lord, don't we? And he, 
He tells us to do things that we find very strange, and we, we, we find in our own hearts this, this resistance that, you know, I think, Lord, I, I think I know more about my life than you do. I, I think I know how to do this. But he calls us to do things that run against our instincts, and it's in responding to that call that life begins to change for us. Jesus does have a new future, a, a newness, a freshness for every one of us, even us like Peter who are some of the most unlikely people. But that new future, that new freshness is going to run against many of the instincts we have. And it's going to call us to trust Jesus in ways that will stretch us beyond the, the length of our elasticity. Because he... He confronts Peter with this question, will you trust me, Peter, when you can't make the rules? Will you trust me, Peter, when you don't know what I'm up to? Will you trust me, Peter, when I call you forward into a way that's going to cost you deeply? Will you trust me, Peter, that I know what life is about? Will you trust me, Peter? And so that newness for Peter is much like the newness that Jesus offers us. It's a newness that's kind of different than what we think. You know, most of us, I expect, want newness and freshness that's in the form of some kind of an exciting adventure or a new challenge or something that's going to be stimulating and entertaining and, and just, just fun and, and gratifying. And, you know, in a sense, Jesus offers all of that, but not in the way we would expect. That newness That freshness comes in the form of of a mission, a mission that's going to get at the heart of what the world needs, and he calls us forward into that. But every time he calls us, we still have to be just like Peter, and we we have to trust him, because Jesus' words to Peter, don't be afraid, are the exact words we need to hear, aren't they? Because when Jesus calls us forward into into a fresh new chapter of life or into a fresh challenge, when Jesus calls us to newness and freshness, even if that means leaning into a broken relationship that we've been trying to avoid or or nurturing a a wound and and a grievance that we love to hang on to, or or, or holding back from an act of service that he's calling us to that we're We're just afraid to go there. However grand it is or however small it is, every one of us need to hear those same words. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You can trust me, but you got to follow me. You know, a lot of that does run against our instincts, and and, and some of it runs against our instincts because because we don't don't trust ourselves very well. Uh, and, and, And we can say, to the Lord and say to ourselves, but, but, but what, if I, what if I mess this up? What if I don't do this right? Jesus says, now you probably will. <laughs> but, but what if all my questions aren't yet answered so that I can trust you? And Jesus says, if you knew the answers to all those questions, you wouldn't need to trust me, would you? Yeah. But, but, but what if, but, but what if, but, but, but what if, but what if, don't be afraid. Follow me. That's, that's where every conversation with Jesus seems to end. 
Don't be afraid. Trust me. Follow me. Now, that, that may not, for, for any one of us, that may or may not uh, work its way out into you know, big life changes. Sometimes that works its way out into those small ways where we, we're just afraid to follow him. But the answer is always the same. Don't be afraid. Follow me. You know, Peter, we, we know from uh, John's gospel that Peter had to, to trust Jesus over and over again as he began to follow. If you read John's gospel, particularly chapter 6, you'll find where, where Jesus, uh, by, by the time John picks up the story, Jesus and the twelve uh, had followed Jesus, and now there was a huge crowd around him. Jesus was getting extremely popular, and then he started to talk weird. He tells, he tells this big crowd in John chapter 6 that unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't follow me. Well, that's kind of strange, isn't it? Now, of course, he speaks in those radical ways, and if you, and if you take that literally, it sounds like cannibalism. But even taking that figuratively, Jesus is calling for those who follow him to be all in. That's, that's essentially what he's telling us. You've got to be all in. You can't tinker with this thing. This is not an add-on to your life. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. No, but you, you've got to be all in. You've got to trust me. And John records that when Jesus said that, they went away in droves. They went away by the hundreds, perhaps by the thousands, and Jesus is left with this small band of friends around him who I, I can see in my mind's eye, He's like, kind of read between the lines. I can see them kind of avoiding his glance and kicking the dirt and, you know, looking off into the sky and wondering what's next. But Jesus stares them down and he says, what about you fellas? You going to bail too? And Peter at that point says you know, the, the, the thing that every one of us need to say and have to say, which is this. Where else are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We can, we can unfold that one statement in a lot of ways because what Peter was, was saying in that one statement was that, yeah, Jesus, this is kind of weird. And yeah, Jesus, I really don't get it. And yeah, Jesus, I've got more questions than answers right now. But I know one thing. I can trust you. So where else are we going to go? You know, that's, that's where a lot of us end. or that, That's where we, we end up at multiple places along our journeys, isn't it? Once we decide to trust Him. Once we embark on that adventure that really is a new and fresh adventure. See, that follow me and will you trust me takes specific form for every one of us. Jesus looks every one of us down, and at many points in our lives, he says, trust me enough to, and you fill in the blank. Every one of us have a story like that. There's something, maybe multiple things in our lives, where we've got to trust the Lord to make it happen. We've got to trust the Lord to move into an act of obedience. We've got to trust the Lord to move into an act of love for someone that we would rather not do. We've got to trust the Lord to make a, a sacrificial act of service that he calls on. You, you fill in the blank. 
Could be all kinds of things, but that's what he says to us. Don't be afraid. Will you trust me enough? Fill in the blank. And you know, when, when we make that act of trust, life becomes new. Now, our jobs may not change, our homes may not change, many things circumstantially in our lives may stay exactly the same, and yet life becomes new. Life opens up in front of us. And if, um, you know, if you're here and this following Jesus thing is maybe still kind of a strange thing or a new thing, something you're still weighing, uh, what Jesus said to Peter is, is really what Jesus says to you. Um, you say, well, I've, I've still got questions. Yeah, you know what? So did Peter. Uh, but I don't know about this, but I don't know about that. What Jesus says to us is, don't be afraid. Will you trust me enough to let me answer those questions? Will you trust me enough to show you what questions need to be answered and which don't? The call for, for those who, who, who have never taken that first step to follow Jesus is really very similar to what he said to Peter. Follow me. Don't be afraid. But for those of us who maybe we've been following Jesus for a long time, surprise is we've got newness and freshness offered to us as well. And what Jesus said to Peter ends up showing up to us just the same way. Because we come across, don't we? Don't, don't, no matter how long you follow Jesus, don't you still come across places where you just get stumped? And, and you step back, and, and like Peter at the lake in John chapter 6, you say, Oh, man, this is strange. Or, Man, this is getting costly. Or now I've got a whole new set of questions that, that really bog me down. And Jesus looks at us and says the same thing. You going to walk away? And we have to say the same thing Peter says. Lord, I don't get you right now. But you alone have the words of eternal life. You know, every one of us need and want freshness. We want newness. We want a reset button in our lives, and Jesus offers that. The strange thing is that he doesn't offer it in exactly the way we always want it, but he always offers it in exactly the way we need it. The freshness, the newness Jesus offers us comes to the most unlikely people. That's good news for all of us. And it comes in ways that really rub against our instincts. Because he tells us to trust him. Trust him with our unanswered questions. Trust him with the sacrifices we may have to make. Trust him with the fears that we have. And when he says to us, follow me, he's also saying to us, you can't trust me with those. Because I'm bigger than those. And if you take that step, as a long-time follower of Jesus or a first-time follower of Jesus. He'll meet you there. And that's a newness and a freshness that could never be captured in any movie. 
Let's pray together. God, thanks for the, the gift of new life. Even, even when in many ways our lives may continue to be hard or perplexing and our questions may be haunting to us, thank you for those words from our Lord, don't be afraid. Thanks for that promise, that implicit promise that he can be trusted. And thanks for the fresh start and the the companionship that you give us through Jesus on that fresh start when we move into acts of obedience and, and trust and, and love and service and all that you call us toward when we're on mission with you. Thank you for all of that. God, we pray that your spirit would, would give us the strength, give us the courage today to trust you for whatever step forward you're calling each of us to make. And Lord, do meet us there. And make life new. Make life fresh. Give us a fresh start in whatever way each of us need that so that our hearts can explode toward you with gratitude and thanksgiving and praise. That's what we want. That's how we want to live. Help us to that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.